calamity, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And Robin's son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing. We are doing another interview. I am Peter Wilco Wilkinson. I'm joined by Braden Martin, but we are joined tonight by the superstar extraordinaire, Bo Albert. How are you going, mate? Oh, it's always nice to be here. Thanks for the warm welcome. No problems at all, mate. That's probably the nicest things we're going to say about you all night. No. <laughs> um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, look, explain to everyone who's listening who Bo Albert is. Um, so basically I've been fortunate enough to become one of the first full-time, uh, sim racers in all of Australia, thanks to Alter Sea Sports gaining, uh, the Alter Sea Sports, uh, team house. So sim racing is my job. So that's probably one of the, uh, the big sort of factors, uh, about me at the moment, but, uh, currently, um, finding my way to get back into the Rallycross World Championship. Um, that's what I love doing. It's my bread and butter. Um, but I've also got a history in the Road World Championship as well in iRacing. So I love competing at the really high level stuff. Um, even though most of the time I end up pulling my hair out with it. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a thing I haven't seen you drive in iRacing. Is that fair? Is, is there anything that you just don't go near? Um, so one of the things I really like trying to do on iRacing is getting like the highest combined iRating. So you're probably right. I do end up driving just about <laughs> everything. Um, so I do dirt oval stuff, dirt road, road and oval. I do all of it. Um, but if there's anything I'm going to stick away from, it's dirt oval typically yeah. because I just, you'd think turning left is easy, but you throw dirt on it and I just cannot figure it out for the life of me. It's, yeah. It just doesn't, doesn't gel. So dirt banking and other cars just wants to go right for some reason. It's really weird. I don't understand <laughs> it. Um, look, I've, I've seen you, I've actually raced against you in ovals uh, with the scrap series and you're doing rally cross at the moment. We saw you. In the majors, we actually mentioned your Indianapolis. Um, did you go in Indianapolis in the majors? No, I'm thinking about Camp Dance. How I? I did do. <laughs> it's, on, the, uh... it's on your mind. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many things going on at the moment. But look, I've seen you race. Uh, that's where it was. Tracks. You were racing the open wheelers in the tracks. Yes. Uh, Rival series. That's what it was. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, yes, everywhere you turn up. V8s. You were in uh, Scops the other weekend as well. Um, yep. Is there something that jumps out to you that, yes, this is what I want to do besides Rallycross? Or in the Rallycross, what's you got a uh, favourite car that you drive? Yeah, absolutely. I've always sort of fallen in love with the Porsche Cup car on iRacing. I absolutely yep. adore it because with most GT cars, like you have to drive like smooth and precise and it's all about managing stuff. Whereas the Porsche Cup car, you just have to throw it around. You just attack <laughs> it into every single corner. And I adore that. I think it is brilliant. And it's easily one of my favorite cars to drive. It is just so much fun. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, if I'm going to race anything other than Rallycross, that's usually where I find myself. And what's your Rallycross car of choice? Um, so for so long, it was the Volkswagen. Um, yeah. But the Subaru has won all three uh, world championships <laughs> in Rallycross. It's hard Rally to go Cross. past that kind of stuff, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> so I, I've reluctantly, like I was kicking and screaming on my way, but I've, I've switched over to the Subaru now and uh, things are going well anyway. Okay, Let, let's 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 why go way back. Okay, we've gone way into the podcast of the stuff that we're going to talk about a lot later. But let, where did you start? What was your first um, first gaming, first sim racing? What was what was that like back in the day? Where did you start? Um, so my sim racing career really started way back on Formula One 2013 on the uh, PS3. Oh, way back, um, yeah, way, way back. back. <laughs> uh, not not all the way back, but for me, that's, it feels way back. Yep. Um, and just started out on some local leagues there, um, playing around on that game before I eventually moved over to Gran Turismo 6. Um, yep. And that was sort of my first taste of like, a, not obviously a full simulation, but something a bit more on the realistic side of things. Um, and I loved that. So 
from that moment on, I started saving up for a computer for iRacing, but obviously computers aren't cheap. So I uh, ended up moving over to a PlayStation 4 for a little while and uh, played around on uh, Project Cars just to sort of get a bit closer to the simulation side of things, yep. um, which was a lot of fun and I loved that. But uh, yeah, over a few years, um, I finally managed to get the savings all hooked up and 2017, I uh, made my way onto iRacing. We had Emily Jones on the podcast recently who is pretty involved in Gran Turismo and it's kind of a world that I haven't explored that much since way, way back in the GT2 GT and GT3 days. How involved in the um, Gran Turismo scene did you get? Um, so I really enjoyed it. So I, mostly I competed at sort of like a national level with like just local Australian-based leagues. Um, but in 2015, there was actually quite a large um community series um that was run by gt planet which is an extremely large organization um over on the gran turismo side of things and uh, they ran a competition which ended up with 190 other drivers so at the time obviously before the like gt sport world tours and stuff were a thing um that's what i competed in for a little while and uh went relatively well um i'm not gonna say i was you know dominating or anything i won the odd race but um yeah, that was a very competitive series, and that was probably the closest I would ever get to going into a, like a GT World Tour or something, um, because I think the level of those these days is just astronomically high, and unless you're dedicating almost your entire sim racing journey onto uh, the Grand Turismo platform, it'd be very hard to make it onto. It um, always blew my mind after, well, I say always, after talking to Emily, how big the GT scene is. Like, I, I, did, yeah. I just, I guess... I found found my way into iRacing and, you know, it's it's awesome. It's amazing. And it feels like everyone should just be playing this one one simulation. But then you've got this whole other side that's obviously got the backing of Sony. And when, you know, you have backing of a company like that, there's so much money involved. Um, that's kind of, it was kind of crazy when we delved into that a little bit further. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you also have to remember that Grand Turismo has a partnership, the only partnership at the moment um, of its kind with the uh, FIA, obviously one of the biggest motorsport organizations in the world. So, you know, for Gran Turismo to have the backing of someone like that behind you, like, you know, they've got to be doing something right. You know, I think you touched on it perfectly before. You, your barrier of entry to get into a PC racing sim is that much higher because you've got to buy a PC that's, you know, a couple thousand dollars where a hundred odd million people have a PS4 and all they've got to really do is pick up Gran Turismo Sport and a, and a $300 Logitech, $400 Logitech wheel and all of a sudden, they're racing and they can dedicate their whole life to it. So it's such a small barrier to entry. And even with, um, well, not so much PSVR, but you, you can get pretty simulated stuff if you get the not you get the right setup on, on PlayStation 4 for a fraction of the price you can on PC. So it's it's not surprising. I, I came up through that sort of side of things as well of the whole Gran Turismo series, but um, it definitely doesn't have anything on the iRacing for, for my enjoyment levels. But... Um, it's definitely a great breeding ground, and you see, you hear many stories. Like you, I still remember back in the day when the Australian Post guy won the GT World Matt Series from, yeah, from Australia, and um, all of a sudden he's racing real life cars, and like it's such a clear defined path uh, for for certain people. So um, yeah, it's it's crazy. But now I think iRacing, racing being in that scene is is definitely getting closer to that, and I think. With the NASCAR partnership, there's things that are going to come out of that, obviously, but um, hopefully the FIA or someone like that jumps on board as well. But what's the difference? Like, you've obviously driven both, like, not as seriously on the Gran Turismo, I guess, as what you're in, in the iRacing, but what do you found the differences between the two? 
Um, I think the biggest thing really is that Gran Turismo is just a lot more accessible as to drive. So sort yeah. of there's that. It's a little bit easier. Um, it's still on the simulation side of things, but it's a little bit more skewed back to arcade to the point where, you know, it's not as challenging to drive overall. So that there's still those niches to go fast. But at the same time, if you make a massive mistake, it's not going to punish you quite as hard as iRacing. So things like, you know, damage, obviously in iRacing, if we find ourselves firing into a wall, then that's going to be our race <laughs> over. Whereas on Gran Turismo, it's just sort of, oh, bugger, I've messed that corner up, on yep. we go. We'll so that's that two-second penalty and we'll keep going. Yeah, oh, don't get me started on the collision <laughs> penalties on that game. That is absolutely horrific. Um, yeah. but, but so you no, don't that's... want to see that implemented in iRacing? Okay. No, no. I, I mean, the slowdowns are bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've had a little bit of a discussion about this before, but how do you see the whole iRating and, and penalty system in, in iRacing? Since you, you, you're right in the in the world now. Yeah, um, so I think the I-rating kind of thing is not too bad. Like, obviously, it can be abused. You can obviously farm I-races. Like Braden, uh, Braden is right now, yeah. Cool. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a struggle. It's a grind. Um, but yeah, no, I think the I-rating thing isn't too bad. And I like what I-racing have done in terms of special events, how it's now everyone combined who goes into like the top splits and everything. I think that's fine. Um, the penalty system, I think I-racing are working on it. Obviously, we saw the implementation in the later season at Spa, where the track limit detection was quite a lot different. So that's a lot better. Um, but obviously, there's still the controversial 4X penalties that uh, you can be totally not at fault for an incident, yep. and yet you still cop a penalty, um, which does lead to some very interesting strategies. I don't want to call them strategies, but there's no other word for it, really, just in the pro yep. series, where uh, you might have you know quite a lot of... Uh, you might not have any penalty points at that point in the season. It's getting late in the season when some people, not to name names, definitely do get the elbows out and are willing to use those penalty points they haven't got yet um, to uh, give themselves a bit of an advantage later on. So uh, the penalty system does need work, but at the same time, I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect solution for that type of thing. It's no. funny so, in the league. I was going to say in the yeah. league that we're racing in at the moment, it's um, quite interesting that that same sort of thing's happening where... Um, <laughs> Like uh, there's a reward for getting a zero X for the race. So, you know, you've got first place zero X and then second place behind them. have oh. already got their off track. So they're free to abuse the limits to <laughs> the most they can. Uh, it's made for some really interesting racing. And, you know, do you t toss up between, do you want to really save those extra two points that you're going to get for the zero X or, or um, defend a little bit harder? Because depending if you manage to hold on to, just stay second yeah. you might still end up with the same points as the guy who's currently behind you anyway so it's led to some interesting battles that's for sure yeah <laughs> yeah no that is it does lead to those situations and whether that's good or bad i don't know but uh, it makes for good viewing anyway okay once again we've got way off track now which i love doing but <laughs> let's go back where did you, what did you what did your first look like back in the day what was the first simulated um uh peripherals you got so the very first like sort of I don't want to call it a sim rig. It was more just a, a wheel bolted onto this really big lounge, um, like desk type thing. But then my seat that I used was actually like a, a lounge room recliner seat. Um, and it was so uncomfortable to drive because it was obviously so comfy and like laid backwards as well in the seat. Um, it was very, very awkward. So I remember like stuffing pillows behind my back. So I'd be like 
seated like a little bit more upright. It was purely thrown together. <laughs> but I used that for probably a good three or so years, like way longer wow. than and I should what, have. You never fell asleep while driving in, a, in an enduro? I was tempted. Sometimes like racing <laughs> at Le Mans, those long straights, like you considered it. You really did. Just put um, my alarm on for three minutes and I'll be I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, before after that, I, uh, I moved to, I got a next level racing GT Ultimate V2. And I used that for a long, long time. Um, and that was a lot nicer. Um, I still used the uh, Logitech Driving Force GT um, for a little while before I moved to a G29. Um, so I used Logitech equipment for quite a while there. Um, and yeah, I used that for a good four years, even a few years into my iRacing career. Um, and now I've sort of done what I think all sim racers sort of work towards in the end and gone for a full 80-20 setup. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to work for at the moment, even though I'm no good, but it's going to help me. No, no, nonetheless, I reckon, hopefully anyway. It would help my wallet. Um, so let's go into, let, let's move into some other stuff that we want to actually talk about tonight, which is let's go to Altus G Esports. Now, they're making a huge run at Scops at the moment. I've been very impressed by their the way they've taken on Trent Tasman this season. And uh, obviously, you're not part of that, but you have done a couple of races. But what's it like being in Altus itself? Um, it's a very cool experience because everyone is so motivated and we're all sort of helping one another. Um, it is a very, very good team environment to be on. And, you know, that's sort of why I've, I joined the team in June 2018 and I've really had no intentions of ever leaving because it is such a good environment because, like, we obviously have quite a lot of different disciplines we have under our banner. We have oval, we have road racing, dirt oval, dirt road, rallycross, all that stuff. Um, but there's a lot of crossover as well. So, you know, for example... Um, Tim Ryan, who was our 2018 World of Outlaws uh, Irish World yep. Champion, uh, who runs under the Altus banner, like he is so often jumping into like the V8 Supercar channels, helping you know Jordan Caruso, Cooper Webster, James Scott, helping with telemetry, helping set up the cars, you know, spring race, uh-huh. dampers, all that good stuff. So, you know, it's not just like you know one section of the team focuses on one thing. Like everybody in the broader team is always helping each other. Um, and you know that relates again to our GT side of things like the V8 supercar guys then like we'll say okay well we do this with brake bias over a stint have you guys tried that in the GT cars so it's a very cool you know group to work with everyone's motivated everyone's helping each other and yeah I think that's a big reason why we are having success in V8 scops at the moment it's just purely because the motivation is there and we're all working quite well as a team definitely um how did you find yourself in Altus in the, back in June? Was it June or July 2018? Yeah, June 2018 when the team first formed. Um, so uh, I was a part of Evolution Racing Team beforehand. Um, and from there, I met, uh, at the time, Evolution Racing Team uh, manager Simon Feigl. Um, so me and him sort of you know worked together for a little bit there at Evolution Racing Team. Um, and, and for, you know there was just a lot of drivers at the time at ERT and things were clashing. Things weren't working well at all. Um, so I ended up moving ship, uh, moving away and was just a privateer for a month or two. And, uh, Simon, about a week after I left ERT, decided to leave as well and sort of, uh, you know, said, you know, I want to make my own team. I want to do my own thing. Um, and it actually took me a bit of convincing to actually join along with, uh, his new projects. I thought, you know, he was obviously a team manager at ERT. I thought, you know, are things going to be different to ERT or yeah. is it just going to be ERT round two? Um, uh, but in the end I decided to take a punt and uh, join up on Altus as well. And uh, yeah, it's sort of gone from strength to strength there, but it was really just uh, through meeting Simon at ERT and then just developing that relationship through to through to Altus. What made you jump into evolution in the, in the like into the team um, atmosphere in the start? 
um, was it obviously to just improve your own stuff or you wanted to find people to actually race with? Yeah, it was more so just to improve myself. Um, I joined, I, I joined, I joined <laughs> iRacing in March 2017 and yep. um, I joined into um as a team, but I wasn't really getting the help I needed there. Um, so I, I floated around a little bit through a few different teams, admittedly, uh, for a little while. Um, but again, I just wasn't getting the support I needed or I didn't feel like I sort of had the drivers around me I could use to sort of develop myself as a driver. Um, and then eventually I got asked uh, to join into, at the time, Evolution Racing Team's junior driver program, which was called the ERT Hornets. Um, so they had a junior driver program. Um, I was two months on iRacing at this point in time. So it was sort of like a perfect candidate for that. Um, and I thought it was a great opportunity because at the time, um, that was the season where uh, you know, ERT came second and third in the first round of the GT World Championship. And I thought, well, these guys are able to compete at the top level in GT. So they can't be too bad to learn from. <laughs> That's it. Um, how much did that help you, those those early days? It helped me so much um, in terms of just driving technique. Like There was so many little things that I'd been doing on Gran Turismo, Project Cars, F1, you know, all the F1 games from Codemasters at the time that made sort of bad driving habits that didn't work on iRacing. So I remember one of the first sessions I ever did in the team, they were telling me that I needed to trail break more. And I just turned around and was like, <laughs> what's trail breaking? Like, what is that? So there were so many like little things that I wasn't sure what I was doing. And is that where you yeah. let the handbrake off slightly as you go around the corner? Is that... I, th- I think so. It's when you like drop the clutch or something. I'm not sure. No. So um, they taught me so many little like little details that I would have never learned on my own. And that was exactly what I was looking for is, you know, what are the top guys doing that are just totally going over my head at that point in time? So, you know, fuel saving techniques, race strategy, you know, braking throttle techniques. There was It was really, really good. And um you know, I definitely think if I didn't make that step to join ERT at that time, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. And when did you jump straight into the, did you say, I'm going, I have to do Rallycross from the start as well? Or was that something you, you got into on your own accord? Yeah. So when Rallycross first came out, I did do a little bit of it. Um, I sort of just dabbled in the odd race or two, but then I sort of uh, went off to focus on my GT efforts for a good year yeah. and a half or so. And I totally forgot Rallycross existed. <laughs> um and i race members do i think yeah i I know it's so unfortunate (laughs) um so yeah ended up uh coming back to rallycross about early 2019 and that's when i sort of realized that i'm actually not you know too bad at rallycross and i should you know probably stick with it a bit more um and yeah things just sort of went from strength to strength there but it is a shame that rallycross does not get the participation because i think if more people tried it then it would become quite popular because it is a proper fun bit of racing. It's close quarters, super fast cars, super short races as well. So it's not like you're taking a you know huge chunk of time out of your day. I, I think it's the perfect formula for racing mm. almost. It's so high excitement, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't gel with the Australian community at least. I was going to say, is there anything specific you think that stirs people away? Is it like a, a bit of a fear factor or not quite understanding it or... Or maybe like when you first jump in, is it is it quite difficult the first few times? So people try it and then go, well, this is not for me or what, what do you think? Yeah, po- yeah, potentially is that last little part where it is quite difficult to sort of get your head around at first because you do have to drive the cars very, very strangely in the fact that mm. um, we're always driving quite high gears. We're almost always using throttle management. Um, and also I think a lot of people sort of take the Ken Block approach a little bit too far when it comes to Rallycross. So they enter a corner and just rip the handbrake for a good three seconds and wonder why the lap time isn't there. So 
Um, it probably is a bit of a driving technique thing, why it isn't more popular. But then, you know, I'll often see the odd driver pop in, you know, for one or two races, slowly get the hang of it. And they're just hooked. They just stay around for a yeah. few months at a time. So, um, yeah, it would be cool. Um, I try and do like little video tutorials as often as I can to uh, sort of explain the basics of uh, Rallycross to sort of get it that little bit more popular. But um hasn't quite had the effect that I'd like because uh, we're still getting relatively low participation. But is what it is. I I like that they've changed the so it was C was the highest class. They've now made the B B licensed here, which means they're working on it. You can see that there's a progression they're trying to get there. Uh, they're adding more tracks in, and they've added the light versions of the cars, which is also really good. But um, it, it definitely it would have to be something to do with um, you got to use your brake more to turn that car in and, and manage yeah. that brake, which is something that, yeah, especially road drivers don't get. Or, and, and oval <laughs> drivers, there's a brake. What what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Don't um, need any of that. No, that's it. The, the ones I've found is when I've been there, there'd be five people in the race and, and you get taken out first first jump. And, and the jumps are definitely something that can, can scare people away because if you don't get them right, <laughs> you're out. Yeah. Um, no, but it is a lot more forgiving, I've found, with the Xs. So you can side, you can really do some side bumping and uh, get away with, with a 0x all the way around the track, which is is something a bit different, which is good. But I wish it would get better. Any any suggestions for iRacing since we've got you here? Um, well, it's actually funny you mentioned the whole license progression thing because I actually don't think that was the best thing imaginable for the uh, Rallycross community just from the perspective of it's now spread out more series yep. so you know we sort of don't get any drive uh, races at all in the b-class licenses um i don't think i've done more than two races this year which is a shame because i adore rallycross um so you know it'd be nice if you know we could sort something maybe for australian servers where you know it is a bit more condensed in terms of series but in terms of just entry to rallycross i mean you know, I think people just need to give it a shot and don't give up on it in the first 15 minutes. Like, you know, at least commit half an hour to an hour on it and uh, just learn that you don't need to slide the car too much. Just really focus on slow in, fast yet. That's how these cars do like to be driven. They've got a lot of power. So make sure you get the car slowed in at the start and then really power out. Um, and you'll usually cut your lap times down pretty significantly just from that and learning that uh, sideways isn't always the best way. Yeah, it does look cool. <laughs> Um, and slam that breakdown before you go over the jump. You get that yes. nose point down. <laughs> Not pointing up. No, absolutely. Uh, so, look, obviously we're back to Altus again. Um, obviously they've made a big move in the last month or so. And as you mentioned, you're now full-time sim racer in Australia. The first, is, is it the first one? That's what you said before? Um, so it's the first gaming house in Australia. Yeah. I believe there might be one or two other drivers who are full-time, but... I don't know how publicly they've made that. They yeah, are yeah. only doing sim racing. So what's it like living in, in the Altus G, uh, uh, G <laughs> house, Logitech house? My God, <laughs> words. <laughs> no, it, it's very, very cool. Of course, uh, at the moment, there's only two sims set up because we're still waiting on our uh, next two housemates to be announced, which I absolutely cannot get into. Yes, but, you can. Um, 100%. No, Let's go now. No one no. listens, we promise. All right, so drive... So the hey, first that Caruso in the background a... moving in. What the hell? <laughs> oh, get, out, get out of the shot, mate. Fuck it No, so uh, it's, it's very, very cool, obviously, you know, being able to sort of commit your entire day to it. And, you know, it's not just like we're driving 24-7 on the sim. We're also doing a lot of other things yeah. to help us as drivers. So we're doing a bit of mental training as well. Um, we've obviously got a bit of a home gym set up as well, so we can do physical training as well. 
Um, we're trying to sort of make sure that we can be the most complete drivers imaginable, not just from a driving point of view, but like even media training and all that good stuff. Um, so it is very, very exciting. Uh, we're doing a lot of cool things. Um, but right now, in terms of a day-to-day, uh, I think we're really just sort of finding our feet right now. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned to all the uh, Alter socials because we've got some very cool announcements coming soon about exactly what we'll be doing on a day-to-day basis and uh, some additions to the uh, Sim House as well. And when are you starting the cooking streams? Um, the cooking streams won't be taking place for me at least because I should not be within 15 like meters of an oven. That's um, why there should be a cooking stream, exactly for that reason. If there was a cooking stream, there'd be what no can more to burn tonight. <laughs> no, it would honestly not go well. Um, so I've really limited myself to just pastas and just like two minute noodles. Anything else, I will cause a fire. Okay. It's like so a Simpsons episode, like he's cooking for Mr. Burns and everything just catches on fire, pours, <laughs> pours milk in the cereal, catches on fire. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So we've gone through a fair bit of what Altus is trying to do there. Okay. So we'll start with the mental side of things. Like how we've talked to a lot of people in the past, mental side of, of, sim racing is huge how big is that for you though how, and, and how, how are you preparing for yourself for races mentally um so f- mentally it's really really difficult and i think a lot of people probably underestimate just how important it is to actually racing being able to sort of keep your head you know when you've got a car right on your gearbox that you know is actually faster over the race and you have 20 laps to defend and hold it off for the race win it is a very very mentally challenging sport um, so one of the big things I've really sort of focused on, I get a little bit of rubbish for it at the best of times, but one of the biggest helps I've honestly found is meditation yep. uh, before a race. So I'll spend, you know, sometimes 15 to 20 minutes before one of my world championship qualifier races, um, just sort of, you know, with an app, headphones in my ear, just sort of getting myself as calm, cool and collected as I can, make myself yep. nice and zen. Um, and yeah, just make sure I'm focusing on my breathing as well. That is one of the big things I've worked on. But again, I've also looked into the psychology of, you know, sports people and working out exactly what makes them tick. How do they block out, you know, distractions? Um, There's a lot of little things like that. I've been looking into all the uh, podcasts and stuff. Like, so I've been on um, uh, reading a lot of like audiobooks or listening to a lot of audiobooks, which are a great, great help. And also just general sort of mental um, health advice as well, just to sort of keep your head as clear as possible. Because like I said at the start, like, this sport is so mentally challenging that if you can be mentally prepared for anything and the driver you're up against isn't, it's almost the race of victory already in your hands. Yeah, we've, think, we've just talked. Oh, go, Brad. Go I was going to say, I think when, as well, when you're competing at the top level, the disparity between physical skills is so small. So any slight little 5%, 10% edge you can get in another area that other people might not necessarily be tapping into is actually quite, yeah. quite big. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> Also, um, you know, small mistakes at that level can be the, the difference between a loss and a win. And we talked about it with the Vs a few times this season. When Red Mist comes in and you just lose your, your brain and you make a silly mistake, that's your race over. So if you can avoid that, um, you know, it, it, you be more consistent for starters, but you get those few extra places and wins that you never would have got before. You got any tactics that you use during a race if, if you do start finding yourself going mentally? Um, so really it's just sort of making sure I'm breathing. So I'm always trying to take note of two different things is how my breathing rate is. Um, I'll always have a smartwatch on me. Yep. Um, so I can just quickly on a straight check my heart rate and see how I'm actually, uh, how my heart rate is and how my breathing pattern is. And the second thing I'll always focus on as well is that I'm not death gripping the wheel. Cause that is another <laughs> sign 
that I am feeling stressed. And so if I do that, I need to make sure I focus my breathing for a few laps. Um, like I will honestly forget about my driving for a lap or two and I might lose like three to four tenths a lap um, just on driving performance, but I'll focus on my breathing um, yeah. just to sort of get myself back into that rhythm. So death gripping the wheel, obviously is a big sign that I'm stressed and I need to sort of uh, control myself a little bit more. Um, and uh, then, yeah, obviously watching my breathing rate as well. So obviously mid-race, it's a little bit difficult to do all of that. Um, so that's why I try and do a lot of my mental preparation before the race, just to make sure that I don't get into that position in the first place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the physical side of things. So you've got, as you, you talked about the gym in in the house. Um, how important is that side of it? Especially, is that a, a more important for endurers or just just keeping your mind um, also another way to keep your mind alert the whole way through is if your body's in peak performance? Yeah, it's sort of the second part there because obviously, you know, the more fitter you are in terms of a cardio and also a physical uh, strength point of view, uh, you're going to have a lower resting heart rate. You're going to be a bit calmer in these situations. And uh, obviously you'll be able to deliver blood flow to the working muscles a lot easier as well. So that's, you're not getting cramps. So you're not, you know, getting fatigued as much um, during a race run, obviously in rallycross, the races are 10 minutes. So it's really not a huge factor in terms of fatigue, but obviously the stress levels are quite high from a sprint format. But then obviously I do still quite like my GT racing. So that's where the fatigue factor does come in because obviously it alters. We do push ourselves quite a lot and it's not uncommon for us to be going four or five hours in a row and yep. at a top split level, you can't really you know, afford to pace yourself. It's got to be flat out. Um, so being in that good physical shape is uh, very, very important. And obviously, um, you know, just to name two other drivers off the top of my head right now, Cooper Webster and Jordan Caruso, they do real world racing as well. So, you know, being able to train um, here at the, uh, you know, in any gym facilities or even at the Alters house, if they were to come over, um, they're able to really help themselves out for the real world as well as their sim racing. So have you got sort of workout patterns from them or you've got someone outside, like a personal trainer helping you with that kind of stuff? Um, so we're pretty lucky. So obviously Simon's uh, family does live here and um, uh, his partner is actually a qualified personal trainer. Um, so that makes life very, very easy on us. Definitely does. Uh, and how, have you found a change? How long have you been, doing, you've been working with her as a personal trainer? Um, so we've been at the house for about four or five weeks now. Um, yeah. So it has been a little while. Um, and obviously, you know, it does take time for a few little patterns to sort of come in. But um, I have felt a lot better so far being able to train, um, you know, physically as well, just to sort of make sure that we're covering all aspects of our driving. So, um, you know, there's nothing too noticeable just yet, but I'm sure over the years uh, or over even over the months that, you know, there will be big benefits to doing that. Yeah, definitely. So someone comes to you and says, we've got a house. We want you to live in our house. It's going to be built for you to be the best racing person that you can possibly be like we had it how did you take that news it, it was very very odd to get my head around at first it was uh <laughs> december uh 2020 when simon yeah. first gave me the call and was like hey you know this this is a possibility that this could be happening down the line <laughs> and uh it was uh, it was a big shock at first because uh you know nothing like this had been spoken about before it was totally out of the blue so um to get that phone call was very very confusing and then obviously <laughs> Over the next few months, I was messaging Simon like every day, just like, hey, any any news? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Tell me. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't really until, uh, you know, probably May or so where we really sort of got it finalized and we're able to make it a bit of a reality. So um, it's been a rushy, you know, sort of few months, but obviously we're still building the house. We're still getting everything finalized for uh, 
the rest of our drivers to come in as well. So uh, yeah, still a bit of work to go, but so far it's been really, really cool. And uh, yeah, like I said, big shock to the system when I first got that news. <laughs> what was the, um, like, where, what was your thoughts when you moved in? Like, this is going to be it for me? This is, this is going to like make my career or were you nervous as hell? Or what, what's it like when you actually first moved in? What have yeah, I done? Was, <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was, it was a big, big step. And it was hard to get my head around that, you know, I'm sort of getting paid to live in a house, a very nice area as well, um, all because I'm a little bit okay at a racing game. Like that was very hard to get my head around at first um, and very, very cool. But obviously it was a big move for me um, going from Geelong to Melbourne. I know it's not the biggest move ever, but it feels like it having lived in Geelong for uh, my entire life. So, you know, moving a fair way away from my family and everything. Um, it was a little bit weird at first, but yeah, it was, then it was sort of, okay, this is serious now. This isn't a joke. And uh, yeah, we sort of got straight into it, building all our sim rigs and getting everything ready. And, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been good, but um, a big change in lifestyle for me. So what's a typical day hold for Bo in the house at the oldest build? Yeah, so really we sort of, at the moment, I try to wake up um, quite early in the day because obviously Rallycross uh, starts at 7 a.m. for us. Yeah. I don't want to wake up at like 6.30 and just wing it. I want to be awake quite early. So usually Is I'm Is that waking... not how you're supposed to race? Jesus, okay. No, apparently not. I only, I only found this out recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll often wake around good old 3 a.m. in the morning, which is the nicest time. But um, wake up, sort of have a shower. Confirm. Get yeah, no, it's not nice at all. Um, get some food into me, and then I'll jump on for about a three-hour sim session. Um, so you know, try and aim for a certain lap target. In rallycross, I'll usually aim uh, for around 125 laps, um, and then I'll you know I'll head off, have some lunch, do some physical training, do some mental training as well, do some meditation and everything I need to do. Um, have a few fun and games for a few hours, just sort of uh, sort of get myself away from racing for an hour or two. Um, and then come back on for an afternoon session for another 125 laps or so. So two things in there I want to touch on. First, do you use much data when you're trying to get that lap time? And, and is like is that what you're focusing on or you're focusing on corners or just, just consistency? Yeah, so we do spend a lot of time both in the virtual racing school uh, telemetry logger and also MoTeC. Um, so I use virtual racing school a lot for driving techniques. So looking against my teammates, seeing brake traces, throttle traces, gears and everything, uh, making sure we're you know, getting the most out of each other. And in rallycross is very nice because me and my teammate, Luis Nunez, um, we're both very, very evenly matched, but how we achieve our lap speed is totally different. So we're always going through telemetry, looking for the weak spots against one another where we can both improve. Um, and that's been really, really nice to sort of push ourselves to that next level. And then for the MoTeC side of things, we're looking at car setups. So going through damper histograms, traction loss graphs, traction graphs, um, you know, all the little details to make our cars faster. Cause like I sort of said before, we only just moved into the Subaru for this year. So it's a brand new car. We, we knew we had a, a lot of catching up to do compared to the established teams like Kawanda and Apex racing team to sort of uh, get a fast Subaru going for us. So, a lot of uh, you know telemetry and data work goes into each race. I think it's a very underutilized thing in sim racing, like the data side of things. I know we've kind of looked at our own data from time to time, but we've finally decided to start actually using the team stuff on um, on VRS to sort of share and try and talk a bit more through it with each other and find out where we're better at certain corners and 
you know, in 30 minutes of sitting and looking at data, you can find half a second, a second, like it's, oh, like it's nothing compared to trying to run around, do laps for an hour and a half by yourself and not get anywhere. So yeah, yeah massive. Yeah. Well, it even helps with consistency where I can see where he's breaking, where I was going in faster. And I thought I was going faster, but I was actually a lot more out of control. So uh, definitely that's why I was, I was interested to see the data side of things for you guys. Uh, this, the second part of that would be, what are you doing that free time? What 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 is it that takes you away from racing? What, what what do you get into? It's very hard to distract myself from racing. I have to say, I'm a little bit of a sort of one mind guy. So honestly, in that two to three hours that I sort of have a break, I usually find myself playing on a controller with like uh, the dirt rally games or something. Just I end up back on racing, which is bad. <laughs> yep. But um, when I can pull myself away, I love like the action sort of uh, like storyline based games, like Life is Strange, like the Telltale yep. games. Uh, they're very very cool. Uh, the classic Grand Theft Auto fives and everything. Saints Row is a brilliant game as well. It's yep. absolute lunacy. Um, so yeah, sometimes that is good just to pull yourself away from racing. But yeah, I've got to say, if I were to like split my like Steam playtime up, I reckon it'd be at least ninety percent racing. I'm definitely one track minded, but uh, a break's always good. To, uh, it, see some GTA Five roleplay stream, being the <laughs> world's fastest GTA driver, or <laughs> look, I can try and make that happen. We'll see how we go. There it is. You heard it here first, everyone. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to the the rallycross, the world championship bid that you've got going at the moment. You've given up everything. You're not doing anything but rallycross, rallycross, rallycross. How's it going so far? It is going very well. So uh, we're currently uh, two rounds down into the pro qualifiers. Um, I'm trying to get my way back into the world championship. I did make it last year. I didn't get in the top 10, sadly, just due to uh, missing a round or two. Um, So trying to make it back into the championship this year. And uh, actually just last week, we had round two, which was a 6.8K soft uh in top split so strength of field uh and we actually managed to win that so that was the second highest uh dirt road race ever and we got the win so uh we're currently well above the cut line which is good but uh rally cross is a crazy sport lots of contacts lots of uh weird turn ones as well to say the least so uh, we can't (laughs) can our chickens before they hatch but uh we're looking good when's the next race oh sorry where's the next race uh, so the next race is going to be at Brands Hatch, um, which oh, is a brand yeah. new circuit. We've yep. never done any races or rallycross races at yep. a high level there. Um, so this is sort of a big experience for us. So uh, that's why I'm really sort of being super strict with my lap counts every day, getting the practice in because for everyone, it's a big unknown for us. Like no one's mm. really done an event here. So um, lots of efforts going in. I'm not looking forward to it. I think it is an absolutely garbage truck um, mm-hmm. to keep it PG friendly. If you don't want my PG friendly... <laughs> opinion uh get the bleeps ready but um yeah no i'm I'm looking to sort of just bank points next round to go on to round four which is a track i absolutely love and i go very strong at which is lunk barn and hell um it's a very good circuit for me so round three bank points and then uh move on to round four really how does the qualifying system work for the world championships what's the cutoff point and how do you get in yeah, so races are held for us in Australia um, in the AEST time zone at 7 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Um, so it's basically just one race for the week. So that series only has one race. So it's not like you get multiple chances through the week to score points. You just get one shot at it and that's it. Um, and yeah, it just sort of works like a normal iRacing official where uh, the strength of field sort of determines the points. Points go into the series. And uh, how it will be this year is at the moment, it's confirmed as at least 18 drivers in the, well, the top 18 in the standings. 
will uh, get their world championship license. But there's rumors that uh, Kawanda actually aren't going to be returning next year, which is a bit of a shock to the system. Hasn't been confirmed yet, but uh, we could move up to uh, the top 20 in the series um, who will get their world championship license. That's it. That's pretty cool. Uh, we, we had an interview with Alex Bergeron uh, the other day. How is he going in the in the world championships? He said he didn't even realize I was starting until about half an hour before the first race. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Alex Bergeron, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's doing very well. So he's actually above the cutoff at the cutoff at the yeah. moment as well. Um, so I believe he's uh, come runner up in third split twice now. So he's getting the eye rating up. So we might see him in second split soon. But yeah, he's banking points. He's doing very well as well. So. Uh, I'd be good to see him in the Rallycross World Championship. Obviously, we all know he's a dirt oval credentials, yes, but he needs to prove his dirt road. Yes, definitely does. Now, are we seeing much of a mix this this year in the qualifiers in cars, or everyone's just going Subaru? Yeah, so I think overall we are seeing mostly Subaru domination. I think everyone sort of gave up on the VW and the Ford at the moment, um, just because Rallycross. The issue with the other cars is purely just that. They have such a short wheelbase that they don't have the same amount of traction on a fresh track when there's yeah. lots of dirt on the circuit. And obviously that means the Subarus will typically out-qualify uh, towards the front every single time compared to the VW and Ford. And because the races are so short, it's just not enough time on a worn track for the VW and Ford to make up the time lost that they lose in qualifying positions. So um, we sort of all use the Subaru just because we can qualify well, we can get up the front of the field nice and easily. And I just defend for the rest of the race from the uh, other cars. So um, I think last week at Atlanta, um, there wasn't a single car that wasn't a Subaru in top split. So right. it's very one-sided. That is a shame. What do you expect yeah. from um, iRacing going forward? Do you expect more tr- more tracks that they're going to drop soon? Because uh, they've, they've done, they've obviously this year, out of, they've started making up tracks, um, which has been quite interesting. Yeah, they have. They've uh, started doing a, a lot of different things. I believe Sonoma, which came out in 2018, was also uh, a fantasy track. Yeah, so um, I don't know how to feel about that. I'd rather the real world stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, they've got to do what they've got to do. Although I do believe there is a they have Knockhill uh, Raceway, um, which will be coming out very very soon, and that has a rallycross circuit. So we're crossing fingers that uh, they haven't just scanned the tarmac track; they've scanned the rallycross as well, um, which would be cool to see. But yeah, Rallycross definitely gets uh, probably the least content of any of the uh, categories. So, you know, if we get one track a year, we usually yeah. count ourselves pretty lucky, unfortunately. So how do you handle the Joker lap situation? Like, is that do you usually have a plan going into it straight away or do you just play it as it comes along? Um, so, yeah, we obviously have a, a rough game plan that we want to follow, but um, obviously things get mixed up very, very quickly. So I actually have a spotter in my ears, a bit like you would in NASCAR. Yeah. Um, who's sort of keeping on everyone's Joker strategies, knowing if, you know, we have to react to anyone um, to cut them off or if we, you know, should really just go totally opposite to the rest of the field. Um, so he's really, the, I have full faith in my spotters. Um, I just trust them 100% to make the right calls because um, I'm very lucky to have an ex-world championship driver as my spotter. So yep. I know he's got the experience. I trust his judgment calls. Um, that's gone very well for us so far this season. But typically if it's a shortcut, because um, obviously in the Joker lap situations, you sometimes have a shortcut, you sometimes have a, like a longer version of the lap. Um, if it's a longer version of the lap, we like to take it as late as possible, um, just purely so we can get the gap to the cars behind us naturally and then take our long lap at the end. So we don't, because if you take the uh, long version of the lap on the first lap, you'll obviously come out in traffic. Um, yeah. So we want to avoid that as much as possible. 
And then for a shortcut, it's vice versa. Um, if you find yourself in the race lead, you'll usually take it as soon as uh, possible, sort of make sure you can't get overcut um, by anyone. Um, and then if you find yourself at the back of the pack uh, with a shortcut joker, you usually take it as late as possible. So you have that clean air after everyone else is jokered and I uh, can use that to get a bit more margin back. How much difference does that make to the map, uh, to the rat, to the to the race? If you do get that all wrong, uh, a massive difference because obviously, like I said, these races only go for about seven to eight minutes max. So, um, if you find yourself stuck behind a car for three or four laps, that's forty percent of the race you find yourself stuck behind someone. Um, so, getting that right, getting yourself into clean air, which is what we're all really trying to do, is get ourselves our own little space on track to hit our lap times that we want. Uh, that is a massive, massive deal. So there has been so many races, and I, I'm not going to spoil any real-world results for anyone, but if anyone saw the uh, real-world uh, round one of the FIA World Rallycross Championship, that should prove just how important the joke strategy is because that totally turns that race on its head, and it's the same for us. It can make or break your race every single time. So have you done any real-life racing I would absolutely love to, but sadly, just the uh, the finances were never there for me. I um I remember obviously growing up, I was always begging my mum, just can we please do a little bit of go karting? Can I, you know, get a go kart or something? But uh, the finances were never there. So yeah. um, when I was sort of younger on the PlayStation Three doing Gran Turismo Six, um, I really sort of was pushing myself quite a lot on there to get into the GT Academy program that they had, which obviously. Yeah. Um, we touched on a bit earlier with Matt Simmons winning that and getting a full drive in the Blancpain GT series in a uh, factory-backed Nissan. So that was sort of the route that I thought could have been an opportunity. Um, but then before I really sort of uh, got really serious into Gran Turismo and started getting quite competitive, um, that program sadly sort of fell apart a little bit. And uh, there's not really been... There's been a few on iRacing that have sort of given that opportunity, but nothing that I feel I could have probably won in terms of just like the car track categories or anything. So I um, haven't found myself on a real world track yet, but uh, I would love to one day. Absolutely. I was going to say, we've still, we've seen some uh, drivers, I think like Jackson, Susan Harlow and a few of those guys have uh, yep. done some testing in, in the V8. I think was it, was it Brad Jones or was it one of the Yeah, Brad Jones racing yeah. at Winton, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, still hope there might come up. Yep. You might find yourself in a rally cross car one day. Oh, that would be so cool. I would love that. So if anyone here is watching this, <laughs> hit me up. That's it. We've, we've seen the Altus make the jump into the real world sooner or later. You, you, you just mark my words. It'll happen. <laughs> um, so what's we haven't even touched your streaming, like content creating and, and things like that. Explain to us what you do. Yep. So um, for a little while there, I sort of focused mainly on YouTube. Um, yep. So I liked making sort of tutorials and sort of uh, giving a bit of an overview of my thoughts on the uh sort of world of sim racing. Um, so my channel is just called Bo Albert if anyone wants to uh, jump on over there. Um, so I want to get back into doing a bit more YouTube soon, but obviously it's a big time commitment to, you know, do all the editing and, you know, <laughs> recording the footage. So I found myself doing a lot more streaming lately. Um, and I finally have the internet because in my house in Geelong, uh, my internet speed was about seven megabytes download and about 500 KBS upload. <laughs> um, so at the uh, Alters house, our speeds are considerably better. So in the last, um, you know, sort of five weeks, I've been able to get back into streaming and we've had some good success there as well over at twitch.tv forward slash bro Albert. Um, sort of just streaming, you know, some random races, having fun with the community. I like doing last the first challenges um, yep. on my second account as well. Just have, you know, have a bit of fun with racing as well. Because I think, you know, so many times in sim racing, we can get caught up 
you know, with how serious it is and trying to get the most out of each other, uh, you sort of forget to let your hair, uh, your hair down every now and then. Yep. So um, when I do stream, I try and just have as much fun as possible and uh, get myself into some pretty crazy situations. Seven over point five isn't too bad for Geelong, seeing as they only just got electricity. So <laughs> <laughs> you are honestly not wrong. <laughs> Um, I do the mid pack to to the last. That's my challenge. I try <laughs> yeah. and do. I, I I got that down pat. Uh, so how do you find Twitch to deal with now? That, since you went on YouTube for so long. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very different community. But I also love having that instant sort of communication with the chat because on YouTube, like you know, there's only so much communication you can get through YouTube comments and all that. Whereas you know, sort of being able to have that bounce back conversation with people in chat and sort of ask them. Uh, you know, more questions and they can ask me questions. Having that sort of one-on-one time almost is a lot more fun, I think. And that's why I think, honestly, I probably prefer streaming over YouTube content just because you do have that interaction with people. And, um, you know, there's also times where the chat will help me out in a race as well. They'll be like, um, you know, you're sort of misjudging this corner a little bit. You can sort of maximize that a bit more and I can take that on board and uh, improve myself as well. So, and there's other times where someone will ask, you know, from my thoughts, from my experience and everything on what they should be doing in their situation. So, um, yeah, it's a really nice bounce back where they can help me, I can help them and just have a bit more fun with it. But it's a very, very fun community and I'm uh, very grateful for everyone that jumps into my chat because they are an awesome bunch of people. Now, do you did you naturally talk while you were racing before just to yourself or is this something you, you've got to learn to do now you're streaming? Yeah, it's something I do have to sort of teach myself to do a little bit more. Um, obviously, like I said, I race on my second account, usually rather than my main account, just to protect my I rating and stuff, uh, yep. for like my pro competition. So, yep. um, you know, I can afford to talk a little bit more on my second account purely cause I'm not worried about messing anything up as much or anything. So, um, it is a big challenge though, to sort of be going down a straight or looking for your break <laughs> marker while, you know, answering someone's question on the top screen, not even looking at this screens down below. So um, it is a big challenge and it does take a while to get my head around, but it's been a fun challenge and I've loved it. My next question was going to be, how many times have you crashed reading chat or missed <laughs> the breaking market? Have you well punted, beyond have lost you, count. Have you punted anyone by doing it? Like just completely oh, yes. with the break? Yeah. And do you get <laughs> yeah. on and say, look, sorry, that's chat's fault. My bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't report me. Blame my chat. <laughs> um, it has happened before and I feel so bad for it, but um, yeah, just a lot of apologies have to go out and sort of just brush it off and move on to the next one. But I, I've gotten a lot better with that where um, I know if I'm getting like within four to five seconds of a breaking marker, just eyes on my main screen and um, get that corner right and look at chat next time around. If you yeah, haven't people... uh, headed over to Bo's uh, stream, by the way, definitely do because some of the visuals are the most best looking uh, streaming content you'll find. The way the cars look and how you've got it set up is absolutely mint. It's really good. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I've got someone in chat that I, I always he he tells me he's gonna flog me or something. I can't remember what he says, but if, if you're if if you're reading this, then you know you're in trouble basically. So he, he hates me reading chat, but I love it. It's nothing nothing more fun than just racing around going. Oh, I'm actually racing here, but I'm just having a conversation with old mate down the, wherever he is. Um, yeah. So the community that you're building in your Twitch and the community, you don't really get that community with YouTube, I guess, but the community of iRacing itself, do you ever like get a chance to get out and actually not, well, obviously COVID's a problem at the moment, but actually interact with any of these people? Yeah, so I do. So um, obviously, you know, going well beyond the COVID times, obviously uh, there's the big event in Melbourne called PAX, yep. um, which uh, we always head down and help out with Logitech and all that stuff as Altus drivers. 
Um, yeah, so fingers crossed that goes ahead uh, <laughs> this year, absolutely. But um, that was really, really cool because I, you know, I had so many drivers from different teams that I'd never met before. It's like, hey, bro, how are you going? And it's really, really cool because you know sometimes it is easy to sort of you know forget in sim racing that it is an actual person you're racing against. It's yeah. not just another car. There is actually a person. There is actually you know someone to talk to behind that you know virtual race car driving around the circuit. So those events are absolutely brilliant. Um, I've had a chance to do a few of them now, including a, we did a big sim racing meetup at Sydney Motorsport Park um, a few years ago as well, which was so much fun. Um, so, yeah, if we can bugger this, uh, these lockdowns off, obviously I understand why lockdowns are there and I'm glad they're there, but if we mm-hmm. can bugger the COVID off, then, uh, yeah, you know, I would love to get back to that, absolutely. It's absolutely fascinating to me. I went to PAX like seven or eight years in a row, most of it is media, Um I didn't know iRacing community had even, like, there was anyone there. Like, I saw, yeah. I saw Logitech set up and I saw, and everyone's like, oh, jump on the rigs. I'm like, no, nah, I can't really be bothered, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, but because I was in the completely different side of the industry, I'm like, yeah, no, iRacing, they wouldn't know what PAX even is. And all of a sudden, everyone I've yeah. interviewed is like, yeah, yeah, we went to PAX every, every year. I'm like, <laughs> so, I, I, look, I'm so, so excited if it goes ahead this year, but I'm really planning on it not. I've got the tickets ready no. to go, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't see it happening. Uh, so, quickly, what was it like when you put that first piece of content up on YouTube, or when you turned that stream on the first time? Did you get nervous? Um, I, I did. Yeah. So the first time I ever uploaded onto YouTube would have been way back in 2013, and uh, <laughs> it was literally just my laptop's webcam facing the computer screen. That's how I recorded it. Um, and that was, yeah, it was absolutely shocking quality, but at the time I thought it was brilliant. That's not um, one idea. Uh, yeah, I know. It was just very makeshift. It made it work. But, um, yeah, I threw that on YouTube and I was absolutely wrapped. It got like 30 views and I thought that was a massive success. How many um, times did you check analytics in a day? Oh, uh, so these days I try to only check like once or twice a week. Yeah, but back um, then... Back then, I would have been checking probably every five minutes. Yeah. Just like, is there a new view? Is there a new view? Um, and every time it went up like one extra view, I was ecstatic. It was so good. Um, first time on Twitch, um, obviously, I was a sort of a bit more mature at that point. I probably would have first streamed when I was 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't as nervous to sort of turn the camera on, but I also didn't know how sort of the reaction to me streaming would be because a lot of people sort of saw me as this person who only liked competing and didn't like to sort of have much fun at all or anything so um i wasn't sure how the community would sort of see it but the reaction was great and uh you know when my internet's played ball back in geelong i always tried to stream as much as i could but now that i'm able to stream full-time um yeah it's really really good i don't get nervous at all these days just purely because i know the community i have behind me is so good that uh, even on a bad day they can always cheer me up so uh, it's really really good how often does your stream not work uh, every second day. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so nice glad and straight answer. <laughs> Everyone's the same. It's, it, I, it's the, the world of a streamer, like it, it, when it turns on and it works, that's the most you see everyone. It's the it's the ninety five times that you turn it on and like the audio is not there and well this yeah. bit's not out of that bit and then you just turn it off and you're like okay, but people don't oh. see that kind of stuff. <laughs> every time I turn Streamlabs on because I use Streamlabs to do all my streaming. My camera's in a completely different position. I'm like, how did you get over there? What are you doing? Come back. It's just ridiculous. But um, that's the joys of the, how many, of the how job, many I guess. have you got? Just out of um, So I've got three that yeah. I have. Um, I tend to only use one, but I do have... So I've got a main camera that's a DSLR camera 
um, that I use. So obviously it's fairly good quality. Um, but then I also have Logitech C922 cameras as well. And I, I just try to mix those camera views up a little bit. So I've got one sort of showing off my pedal cam, um, yep. sort of like they do in the V8 supercars, showing off my footwork. And then another, I usually try and have quite far away is like a full sort of sim rig look basically. So obviously my DSLR camera looks at my face and my wheel work. My second camera looks at my pedals, but then the third one's just like, what's happening in the room basically type thing. Yeah. And how long does it take for you to set up that? Or you're always, are you one of those people who's always tinkering with the setup? Yeah, I, I am usually always tinkering. I think I've changed in the last five weeks. I've changed my camera positioning about four different times, um, which isn't good. But uh, yeah, when I get something how I like it, I can usually keep it there for a long time without tinkering. So I think I've had my stream overlays the same for about a year and a half now. Um, and I always want to change it. I'm like, I want to change it. I want to try this or that. But um, I try and keep it the same as much as I can just for consistency. No problems. Um, can we quickly touch on what what is this rig that you're sitting in right now? What what have you got in front of you? Name everything because there's about a million different things I can see right now. Yeah, no, it's a very busy sim rig. So the actual rig itself is a hybrid racing simulations P2Z. Um, very, very nice chassis. A little bit expensive, but there's a reason for that. It's brilliant quality and uh, very much overkill, but I love that. Um, so I have a Jinx shifter beside me. So the full brake bias and anti-roll bar controls as well. Very pretty. Um, Jinx, which if is... you're listening, we're happy to take sponsorships right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, if they don't want to sponsor you, maybe Hoiskenveld will with their uh, beautiful handbrake. Obviously, oh, being in Rallycross, yes. I do need a handbrake. How so, important uh... is the handbrake? Because I, I get differing opinions. Some people just say, no, nah, no, nah, you don't need it except for maybe one track at Phoenix or one corner at Phoenix or something like that. Other people say, yeah, it's a, it's a must. Is How important is it in Rallycross? It depends on who you ask. Once again, even yeah, in the world championship, you, there's di there's difference of opinion. Um, for me, I do use it a little bit. Like, there's definitely tracks I don't touch it at all. Yeah. Um, Brands Hatch, which we're heading to this week, I don't use it at all. Um, I would say there's probably three tracks I use it at quite consistently. Yeah. Um, but then the world champion of last year, Johan Huff, didn't use the handbrake at all. Um, but then his teammate who obviously they work together quite a lot, did use the handbrake. Yep. So there's just ma massive difference of opinion. It's all personal preference and driving style. So it um, really does depend on who you ask. So no help for you, Peter. No, none at <laughs> nah. all. We, do have, we both have the Husky pedals now and the HRS face plate. So we are halfway. We, we're already, we can just say we're sponsored by them. It's all good. We'll just chuck the <laughs> yeah. sticker up. I think I'm sponsoring them at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um so yeah let's go back to the handbrake the next what else is there yep so i use a hybrid racing simulations momo mod 27c pro sli wheel rim try saying that three times nah. fast <laughs> um it's a very nice bit of kit um but i am looking to upgrade soon to a cube controls gtx wheel um in terms of the wheelbase i use a virtual racing school direct force pro and i've also got the uh direct force uh pedals as well which are just an insane bit of kit i cannot recommend them enough um, I went from them over Hoiskenveld Ultimates. Yep. Um, and these pedals just blew me away. They are fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, so for the rest of my setup, really, I use a 49-inch ultra-wide screen. So very, very nice. Um, for those that are going to ask the inevitable question, do I prefer it over triples? I actually do, just purely from the uh, performance standpoint, obviously, because you only have to render one screen compared yep. to the three. And I don't feel like I lose much visibility. So um, that's a big plus for me. And then the uh, rest of my peripherals are all Logitech gaming stuff. So I've got a G915 keyboard, a G903 mouse, and I use a uh, ProX headset. 
how surprising Logitech all the other gear. That's um, <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed it. Hey, no, no idea, no idea. Um, so, what's your most important piece on that rig? What, what do you? Uh, I would say the pedals. I think if you have a limited budget and you sort of need to do everything on a budget, but you can afford to buy one item that you can, you know, go a slightly higher quality product. I would never skimp on pedals. I think they are the single most important bit of equipment you can ever have. Um, so yeah, I would always take a good set of pedals over a good wheelbase um, because you know how you're able to trail brake the car, how you get on the throttle, that makes so much difference to your lap time. Whereas there's only so many different ways you can turn a car into a corner with a steering wheel. So I think that's the biggest thing I've learned, probably just from when I started racing, is like so much of how you turn is actually with your feet <laughs> like how you get yeah. the car to rotate or those kind of things you actually do it with your feet not even the steering wheel just so uh that's definitely something i think a lot of people don't even realize they think it's all about the steering wheel. yeah no, so absolutely we've taken you away for an hour um that's probably long enough to be honest um where can people find you for the next cooking stream that you're going to do or slash Grand Theft Auto 5 role-playing um, <laughs> stream? Where, where can people find you? Give us all the places, everything. Yeah, so the best place to stay in touch with me on a regular basis is obviously uh, my Twitter, uh, which is BoAlbert06. Um, and then obviously the rest of my socials are all pretty much BoAlbert, which includes twitch.tv forward slash BoAlbert and BoAlbert on YouTube. Um, and I'm also Boat Albert Sim Racing on uh, Facebook as well. I like to keep all the updates there. So uh, it'd be awesome if you could uh, jump on into one of my latest streams and you know just say g'day. I'm always welcome to say uh, we'll ask how you are, and obviously we'll have a chat as well. Um, and feel free to fire any questions at me as well. So uh, always happy to communicate with everyone there. So look forward to seeing some people uh, from the podcast over there soon. Hopefully, Pete will be over uh, there trying to work out how he can get a top ten this season in his uh, league. Yeah. So. How to, how to finish a, finish a race in you know, that's all I'm after. Um, so look, we'll quickly let Braden do his shout outs. Let me do my shout outs. We'll shout out to our sponsors and then we'll wrap this up. So Braden, where can people find you, mate? Yeah, so uh, streaming here and there over at twitch.tv slash the one D Wade. And if you want to hear me talking about anything else, uh, probably Olympics at the moment. It's going to be mostly yeah. uh, over on uh, Twitter uh, at Braden Talks. Uh, find us at Locked On Lads on Facebook, Locked On Lads on Twitch, Locked On Lads YT on YouTube, which is where this uh, podcast will go up. Besides our actual podcast RSS feed, if you haven't subscribed to that, uh, just look up Locked On Race, Locked On I Racing on any of your podcast apps of choice. You will find it, uh, and then subscribe. Give us a review. There's a couple new reviews come through. I'd like to thank all those people who've done that, and um, the ratings where you. About 4.8, 4.9 at the moment out of 5, which is really good. So thank you to everyone who's taking that time. Just helps us get the, the word out there. Lockedonlads.com slash Discord. We do not have an Olympics channel in there. There is nothing being talked about in there. Uh, you can join, though. We um, there's, there's a lot of activity in that channel. I don't know what it's about. I don't go in there. Um, but thank you to a few people like CD Simtography, which is Clayton Davies' uh, photography business. Go check that out on Facebook, CD Simtography. Also, brand new one, Brewster Coffee, which is B-R-E-W-S-T-R dot coffee. Uh, apparently, you can find the best coffee in your local area all around the world, which is a pretty cool little website. Uh, and hopefully, I'm going to just say it anyway, 24-7 Race Control. Uh, thank you for your help as well. But, Bo, you've been an absolute legend tonight, mate. Thank you so much. Um, we'll get you on again sometime soon, hopefully, especially when these new announcements come out. We'd love to chat to a few people from Altus at some stage when when these announcements come so we can get it onto our news and results podcast, but we'll talk about that later. 
but thank you, mate. And good and luck when with the Rally Crosswell Championship. Yeah. yeah. You... Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. Yeah. You're going to win this thing or what? Oh, I'm going to win it so easily. Okay. So when you win, <laughs> we'll get you on and uh, we'll, we'll, do the con- we'll just do the congratulatory thing now. Like, well done yeah, on your win. And yeah, just get record, pre-recorded. It'll be fine. Nothing could go wrong with that. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> thank you so much, mate. Good luck and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. All the best.